Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning. On this fabulous holiday weekend, I want to open by acknowledging Canada, our sister nation that lies above our northern border. It is the longest undefended border between any two nations on planet Earth, the border between Canada and the United States. And yesterday, Canada celebrated her 150th birthday. Mm -hmm. Pretty impressive. British royals were there, Charles, the Prince of Wales, and his comment was, Canada is recognized globally as an example of fairness and inclusion. And Prime Minister Trudeau, as he was referencing Canada's initiative of reconciliation initiative of its indigenous people, said, it is a choice we make not because of what we did, not because of who we were, but because of who we are. Canada is making a choice to be love, to be inclusive. This Tuesday, we in the United States celebrate our Independence Day, and we have the freedom to choose who we want to be in the world. And I absolutely believe love is who we are. And so that is definitely an intention that I encourage each of us to hold. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, founder of Religious Science, had this to say about freedom. We have thought that outside things controlled us when all the time we have had that within that could have changed everything and given us freedom from bondage. We have the freedom to choose to be love. And this brings us to the topic that Reverend Larry has chosen for us to explore this month. I am so excited about the book he selected for us and about this topic. The book is Blink, Thinking Without Thinking by Malcolm Gladwell. So what is this book about? Here's what Malcolm had to say in an interview. It's a book about rapid cognition, about the kind of thinking that happens in the blink of an eye. When you meet someone for the first time, or you walk into a house that you're considering buying, or you read a few sentences of a book, your mind takes two seconds to jump to a series of conclusions. Blink is about those two seconds. Because I think those instant conclusions that we reach are really powerful. The three promises that he talks about are, he's trying to understand those two seconds. So first, what is going on inside our heads when we engage in rapid cognition? Second, when can we trust our snap judgments And when is it not appropriate to trust them? What is clogging the filter? And then what kinds of things can we do to perfect our powers of rapid cognition? It's so in alignment with what we know here in Science of Mind, that we do have an internal computer, that it 
can make perfect decisions that sometimes our thinking blocks it and oh yes, change our thinking, change our life. So today we're going to talk about something that psychologists are using called the thin slice theory. So we'll talk about what is the thin slice. We'll look at what does that look like in real life. Then we'll come to a science of mind perspective. Science of mind is so in alignment with this message, or shall we say, Malcolm is so in alignment with science of mind. And then I also want to share with you why this message is so important. We live in a rapidly changing world, and I have some information to share with you regarding that. So let's get started with thin slicing. The, uh, Malcolm shares that the psychological field or the study in psychology is embracing a whole new field of the adaptive unconscious. The adaptive unconscious. And that what they're discovering is that this is like a computer that rapidly, quickly, easily, and precisely can process multitudinous amounts of data in the blink of an eye. And that as a result, we as human beings can make decisions that help us move forward. And so this adaptive unconscious is referred to as a computer within. Well, now where have we heard that before? So he gives several different examples. He refers to the research of John Gottman, who since the 1980s has interviewed more than 3,000 married couples. He's, his love lab is located near the University of Washington. And what the research that he is doing shows is that with 90% accuracy, after seeing a 15-minute clip of a couple talking, he can predict whether they will be married in 15 years. He is thin slicing. Now, he's a mathematician, and so there's nothing random about what he's doing, but it's the patterns that he's trained his researchers to look for, and it's those patterns that they see in a blink of an eye, and it shows a pattern of either it's trending up which is a loving environment, or it's trending down, which typically leads to divorce. So his treatise is The Mathematics of Divorce. And he also has a book out that many counselors advise. I forget what the name of it is, but it's his research and with very, very accurate predictions. So that's one of the researchers that uh, our author is sharing. Another one is he interviewed a Hollywood producer her, who first discovered Tom Hanks. And what this Hollywood producer said was that he didn't know how to describe it, but he had already had more than 200 people read for the part that he was casting. And he said that when Tom Hanks read in an instant, he knew he had whatever it was. And it turned out that it's likability. That what we want in a hero in a movie is likability. So even if they've done something drastic or wrong or whatever, we want them to prosper. We want to like them. We want them to live. Tom Hanks had it, and this producer recognized it in a blink of an eye. 
one of the researchers that he uh, referenced was the World War II Morse coders. Now, this one really caught my attention because how many of us have watched the imitation game movie on Netflix? I love this movie. What it is, is it's the true story of a British, a young man, British mathematician by the name of Alan Turing. And that he was, he brought together crypt analysts. Their job was to break the German code called the Enigma. And so this team worked, it was a secret team, it was secretly funded, and he built the Turing machine, which today we refer to as a computer. And so his was one of the very, the first generation of it. And they were having a challenge. This computer kept searching and searching and searching. And of course, lives were being lost because they couldn't break the code of where the Germans were so that they could stop the advance. And one, the way the movie shows it is that one night they were out in a pub and an interceptor, there was a whole team of interceptors, predominantly women, who were assigned to track Morse code operators. And what they discovered was that they had a personality. They had a voice, and in Morse code language, it's referred to as a fist. Because even though it's a standard dot dash, every single Morse code operator has a personality. There's certain pauses, there's certain, it's using the language, but it has a personality. And in that moment, when this um, interceptor mentioned that she was leaving the party because she had to go, she had a date with whatever, I forget the name that she called, I think it was Oscar. And they were like, well, what do you mean? She goes, absolutely, we know individual Morse code. We know where they are. We know where they travel. We know how they sign on. We know how they sign off. And that was one of the pieces of information that helped Alan Turing create a successful computer. They standardized the opening and closing because they closed with Hail Hitler. And so it was like that was the code. And whatever that standard opening was, and it made less information for the computer to have to search, and they broke the code. Now, what's the contribution to freedom and to our overall society? Alan Turing's machine and the research of his team is estimated that the war ended two years earlier than it would have, and that it saved approximately 49,000 lives. All from a pattern. The breakthrough came when they figured out that there was a pattern in these Morse code operators and it's referred to as a fist. So I really, really appreciated that reference. But now I'd like to share with you a personal thin slice application. Many of you know that I moved to the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest about seven years ago and I was searching for a spiritual home. The first Sunday that I was in the Vancouver, Portland area, I went to another New Thought community. And I knew when I pulled up in the parking lot, it was not my spiritual home. I just knew. But I went and it was like, yeah, I'm right. How I knew, (laughs) I mean, everyone was nice, everyone was pleasant, but I just knew it wasn't my spiritual home. The next Sunday, I walked through those doors. Now, everyone was nice. 
it was a relevant message. I don't remember what it was. How did I make my decision that this was my spiritual home? On a back table, there were CDs of the guest musicians. And what I saw on that cover was Janet and Narian. Janet and Narian were the guest musicians that Sunday. Now, I have a girlfriend in Seattle that said, if you ever get to see them in concert, it is worth the price of admission. In an instant, I looked at that cover and I said, if this center has Janet and Narian as a guest musician, we're in alignment. And I made a decision, this was my spiritual home, I stopped seeking, and seven years later, here I am. That's thin slicing. But something within me knew this was alignment. It happens when we're seeking medical treatment. I have a friend that's currently um, seeking breast cancer treatment, and she's following her inner guidance. She's not saying, okay, the surgeon said that this is the next step, this is the next step, this is the next step. She said, no, I have internal resistance to that, so I'm waiting. And I said, good for you, listen, because your body's telling you something. It can be the choice of a new job. How many of us have been in an interview and it was like the description of the job sounded really wonderful, but there was something that we were picked up, that maybe there was some conflict in the team and we didn't really want to be around that and we were just a little bit uncomfortable. That's thin slicing. Maybe it's um, choosing a relationship. How many of us have met someone who went, yeah, I really want to get to know that person. And how many of us have met someone and said, I know there's a smile there, I know, but something's not right. Thin slicing. So that's what it looks like in real life. Now let's take a look at Science of Mind Perspective because, oh my goodness, this book is so in alignment with Science of Mind. Because in 1927... Ernest Holmes, our founder of Religious Science, published in the first ever Science of Mind magazine, now that was 90 years ago, the Declaration of Principles. Now wait till you hear what it says. We believe in the direct revelation of truth through our intuitive and spiritual nature, and that anyone may become a revealer of truth who lives in close contact with that indwelling God. We have it. Now, what about this? Science of mind, our bedrock principle is oneness. There is one power. There is one present. It's the imminent God perspective. And we are of that one. We are of that substance. We are of that intelligence. That means that the one mind that is the creator and sustainer of all life, our mind is of that. And so when we are willing to surrender our small thinking mind, we immediately have access to infinite mind. So do we absolutely have access to the perfect solution at the perfect time in the right place at the right time? Yes, because infinite intelligence always is. God is right here, right now. God is, I am right here, right now, which means it's available. When we surrender, 
our small thinking mind. So think about it. Here we are. We have a whole book that's talking about the possibility of it. It's our bedrock principle, the principle of oneness. So imminent God is my absolute big breakthrough in foundations. And anytime I get up to talk about science of mind, it's the principle of oneness. So I was so excited. I'm like, well, yes, of course we know how to do this. Now, why is this important? In the ministerial class that I'm taking this term, it's on building virtual spiritual community, the importance of technology in advancing science of mind in the world. And we were required to watch a YouTube video called Did You Know? And I encourage you to watch it also. It's by Ashish Kumar, and it's been updated for 2017 information. So we're living in a rapidly changing world. Here's just how rapidly. We are currently preparing students for jobs that don't yet exist using technologies that haven't been invented in order to solve problems we don't even know are problems yet. There are 845 million monthly active users on Facebook. Facebook is available in 70 languages, and if Facebook was a country, it would be the third largest in the world behind China and India. Twitter. Now, we know that's in the news. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is currently seeing about 50 million tweets per day, lots of them from the White House, that breaks, <laughs> that breaks down to about 600 tweets per second. Now, text messaging. The first commercial text message was sent in December 1992. Today, the number of text messages sent and received exceeds the total population on the planet. There are 31 billion searches on Google every month. In 2006, this number was 2.7 billion. Who did we ask all those questions to before Google? <laughs> and he, library, books, exactly. But now we have it instantaneously. The years it took to reach an audience of 50 million people. For the radio, it was 38 years. For TV, it was 13. The internet was four, iPod was three, and Facebook was two years to reach 50 million people. And it is estimated that a week's worth of the New York Times contains more information than a person was likely to come across in an entire lifetime in the 18th century. One week's worth of the New York Times. The amount of new technical information is doubling every two years. For students starting a four-year technical degree, this means that what they learn in their first year of study will be outdated by their third year of study. So what's the message here? We live in a rapidly changing world, and let's go back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why go to school? <gasps> we live in a rapidly changing world, and if we go back to the book that we studied, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, she talked about the importance of being vulnerable. And one of the characteristics of being vulnerable was acceptance of the unknown, being okay with ambiguity. 
Well, this means that when we're in a rapidly changing world, we are in the unknown a lot. And we are receiving and being bombarded by all kinds of information from all kinds of sources. It is imperative that we trust self. It's absolutely imperative. We're taught to seek external guidance when absolutely we need to, to trust our inner self. The only way we can do that is when we stay in alignment with strong spiritual practice and we hold steadfast to the truth. The principles of science of mind are preparing us to absolutely be love, be light in a world that oftentimes looks like chaos. So here's my suggestion for an at-home activity this week. I shared with you a personal example of how I thin sliced when I selected Portland Center for Spiritual Living as my spiritual home. I encourage you to reflect and look at when have you thin sliced and when have you made absolutely perfect decisions based on very, very little information. That blink of an eye, two seconds. And then I encourage you to walk through this week looking at how many times you thin slice. Both either positive or negative. It could be that our prejudices show up. I found that sometimes when I start a new practice, the not being what I want to be shows up faster than being love or being, okay? So I encourage you to just reflect. I can think I made a decision to buy a car not long ago, not based on gas mileage or engine or test driving. It was when the sales rep opened the trunk. <laughs> I looked at that trunk and I went, this is my car. And why? Because I knew when I purchased that car, I would be going back to North Carolina to bring back stuff that was in storage. And I have a piece of art that I knew was extremely large that didn't fit in most trunks. I also had a custom designed plant stand that I knew I needed to carry in my trunk. And in an instant, when she opened that trunk, I knew immediately both items would fit. And they did, and I have them. So all I'm saying is you, Go back and look in your life. When did you make a decision based on thin slicing? Very little information. And just know that we are absolutely created in the image and likeness of our creator. It is infinite mind. It is infinite intelligence. It's always available to us. And when we choose to surrender our small thinking, we have access to it. So the promise of this book is absolutely in alignment with the promise of science of mind principles. So let us go forth with great enthusiasm as we celebrate our independence. We get to choose to be love in a world of chaos. We get to choose how we want to show up in this world. And we have absolutely everything we need right where we are, when we are someplace, to make the perfect decision. We are so blessed. So let's go forward and be, like Ernest Holmes said, when we 
remember that within we have everything we need to change the world and to give us freedom from bondage. Let us pray. Infinite intelligence, the one mind, the creator and sustainer of all life, for there is nothing outside of the one, the one power, the one presence, that creator that creates in the divine creative pattern of perfection. I know that this is the truth of my life. I am of this essence, this infinite intelligence available flowing in through and as my mind, readily available wherever I am at whatever I need. And I know this to be the truth of each person here today, that each of us is of the one mind, and that mind is readily available in surrendering our small thinking mind. So I claim and affirm and I speak my word for and about each person here as we go forward on this holiday weekend to celebrate our freedom and our independence, that we make a conscious choice to be free of anything that is unlike spirit. The thoughts we think, the words we speak, the actions we take, all are inspired by this absolute counselor that resides within, that is so readily available, that is the peace at the center of our being. And this peace is clarity. This peace is an inner knowingness, a knowingness that we know that we know. And in this moment, I claim and affirm that each of us chooses that power, that personal authentic power to make conscientious choice to be a clearer instrument of spirit expressing on this planet. That in so doing, we go forward, each making a contribution to creating a world that works for everyone. I am so grateful for this truth that God is infinite intelligence. God is perfection. God is the one mind and that mind readily available to each and every person here today. It is good, it is very good, and I release my word into the activity and action of the law, knowing that the law is the eternal servant of spirit and always says yes. So with absolute conviction and firmament of mind, together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here and happy fourth. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.